So we're in Psalm 47 in our third week in this series that we've entitled Voice Lessons, Teaching Your Heart to Sing. What do I mean by that? We've said this every week, but I'm going to say it again. It's on your screen. Here's what we mean by that title. When you are worshiping God, we've said this, you are singing with more than your mouth. You're singing with your heart. Or you're not singing with your heart, depending on who you are. And it's the heart that God desires to be in tune with him. We said this the past two weeks, that God is much less concerned whether you sing soprano, alto, tenor, baritone, bass, tone deaf. Like, God is much less concerned about that. What God wants is for you to sing with your heart, for your heart to be charged because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you can't help but What's inside to come out of your mouth? That's what God wants. God wants your heart to be in tune with him. And that's really what we've been getting at. The motivation behind what we do in our corporate worship. What we do when we sing. This isn't just something we do to fill up time. And so we dealt with the question of why do we sing? Who are we singing to? We're singing to an audience of one. We're singing to Jesus Christ. You're not singing to the person next to you. You're not singing with Gray. You're not singing with the band. You're not singing to impress me. You're not singing to impress anybody else. You are in tune and saying, God, I'm singing this to you. This is for you. We talked about why we sing. We sing because it's commanded. We see all that in scripture. We sing because it reminds us of the character of God. We talked about how we sing. How do I sing? I sing with a whole heart. I sing with a thankful heart. I sing with a reverent heart, reminding myself of who I'm singing to. We sing with a surrendered heart. Last week, we dealt with the question, why do we raise our hands? You know what's so refreshing is We've had some people just come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it was funny, I was talking with them last week, and they were like, have you been listening into our conversations in our car? I was like, what are you talking about? They were like, we were just talking about why in the world do you guys raise your hands and worship? And we saw it in Scripture that the reason why we raise our hands is we don't do it in some liturgical way that, oh, I have to do this, music started, hands up. But we do it because it reminds us of our need for Christ. We saw that. In Psalm chapter one, Psalm 146, it reminds us of our need for God. It reminds us that we need to praise God, that when I'm raising my hands, I'm praising God. I'm declaring my need for God. God, I need you right now. This song reminds me of that. It reminds us that our satisfaction is with God. God, I'm satisfied in you. God, I'm raising my hands openly to say, God, I'm not going to cling on to the things that will never satisfy. I'm satisfied in you. And it reminds us that our security is found in God. And then in those times... Those dark times where we're just like, God, my security's in you and nothing else. That's why we raise our hands. We saw that in Psalm 146. We answered the question, why do we sing in Psalm 96? Today we're going to answer this question. And it's a question that some of you even asked me before church today. You ready for the question? Here it is. It's the title of the message this morning. Why is it so loud in here? Fair question. Why is it so loud in here? And there's a reason. Now, granted, there are some, some, some restrictions that are placed upon us because we're in a, not a permanent facility. And, you know, we got to set all this stuff up every week and tear it down. It's another awesome opportunity that God's giving us to meet in a permanent space. 
But I promise you, it's never going to be quiet. And I thought it was interesting. Let's just look at some technical things before we get into some theological things, which are the most important things. But we run our sound, our music here, about 90 decibels. We got a sound meter in there. Those guys, trust me, they keep track of it. They see your stank eye. Like, they keep track. We run our, we run our sound meter at 90, 90 decibels. Now, have you ever heard of OSHA? If you're a, any type of construction worker, you for sure have. OSHA said this about 90 dBs. OSHA allows eight hours of exposure to 90 decibels. Some of you are like, man, I'm glad my, our service ain't that long. <laughs> right? Eight hours. Our hour service is about an hour and 15 minutes, including my speaking. I hope I'm not preaching at 90 decibels, but there's hard times where I probably am. Uh, most sporting events. Most of you like to go to sporting events. I've gone to some sporting events with some of you. Never heard we once complain about the sound in there. Uh, sporting events are equal to or louder than what we, more than 90 decibels. But I never hear anybody complaining about how loud it is. I remember I took Lily, my 13-year-old, my 14-year-old, sorry, 14-year-old daughter. When she was 13, I took her on a on just a dad trip, and we went to New Orleans, and, and we went to a basketball game, and then we went to the World War II Museum there, which if you've ever been in New Orleans, man, it's an amazing, amazing place to go. And we sat in this, like, 4D, like, I didn't know what 4D was. Like, not 3D theater, 4D, like, there was actually things coming out of the stage. And it was hilarious. I was, I was in there with some, with Lord, Lily and I definitely caused the curve of age that was in that auditorium to go uh, a little more to the younger side. I'll say that. But it was interesting. It was so loud in there. Like super loud. And we got up when we were done. And I didn't even say this. My daughter said this. She's like, wow, Dad, nobody complained about how loud it was in here. I said, isn't that interesting? Like why is why? Why? Why do, we, why do we do what we do? It's a good question. So rather than look at OSHA, don't you think we ought to look at what the Bible has to say about how loud we ought to worship? I'm going to take that as a yes, that you're wanting to know that. So let me read to you some passage of Scripture. There's many, but we're going to get to Psalm 47 in a second, but I'm setting this up, so stick with me. First Chronicles 15, verse 16 says this. This is David assembling the people of Israel together to worship God. He says, David also commanded the chiefs and the Levite, the chiefs of the Levites, I'm sorry, to appoint their brothers as their singers. And listen, he says this, who should play softly? I think it says that. You can turn there if you want, if you don't believe me. No, it doesn't say should play softly. It says, David commanded these people and their singers who should play, what do you think it says? Loudly. Yeah. On musical instruments, on harps and lyres and cymbals to raise sounds of joy. Psalm 33.3 says this. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Not whispers. Loud shouts. Psalm 155. 150 verse 5 you're writing these down, if, you, if you're wondering and complaining about how loud it is, you for sure need to be writing them down. Psalm 150 verse 5 says this, praise him with sounding cymbals. Drummers love this verse. Praise him with loud, crashing 
symbols. Just find it interesting. I think that's a lot better than OSHA, don't you? Now let's get to Psalm 47. Hopefully you're there by now. I'm actually going to read this entire passage of Scripture, and then we're just going to dive into it and see what it looks like to celebrate the way that God desires us to celebrate him. Look at what it says in Psalm 47. I think it's interesting that Psalm 47 could have started out a lot of different ways. But the Holy Spirit decided to start it out this way through the writer of this psalm. Clap your hands, all you peoples. And can I just tell you, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, if you didn't know that, that it's not this. It's not the golf clap. I'm excited. No, no, no. Clap your hands, all you people. I get, I get you guys talk about my clap all the time. You talk about it all the time. And we're going to talk more about clapping, but I'm just, from now on, there's no more ridicule about my clapping. It says, clap your hands, all peoples. Look at what it says. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord the Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose a heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. Then he says, Selah. We'll talk about what that means here in a second. Verse 5, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with a sound of a trumpet. Thank the Lord my kids have never took up trumpet. Those of you who have kids who have or are doing that right now, know the trumpet is anything but a soft instrument. Verse 6, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the peoples of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Can you feel the energy in that psalm? That psalm is actually... A prophetic psalm. In other words, it's looking forward to the day that's mentioned in Revelation 18, 15, when all the nations of the earth will bow to the King of kings and Lord of lords as he comes back to set up his kingdom and to make all things new. So this psalm is looking forward to that day. So it's anything but a somber psalm. It's a celebration psalm. It's a psalm to get excited about. It's a psalm that gives us reason to praise. And what I think is interesting when you think about it is think about one of the universal things that we all do when we're celebrating someone. You know what it is? We clap, right? I'm going to try to clap softly. We clap. Think about when you go to a birthday party and you're singing, right? And you're singing happy birthday and you're done and they blow out the candles and you, what do you do? You clap. Think about at a wedding when, when that couple declares their love for one another and the, and the person performing the wedding declares and introduces the couple. What does everybody do? They clap, right? They, they're, because they're celebrating that. Or you're at a party and, or whatever it is and you're clapping or you're at a sporting event and you're so excited, you're so jazzed, you're not thinking about how loud it is in here. You're, you're just clapping because you're so excited on how your team is doing, right? Clapping is a universal way that we celebrate. 
And you could be in a foreign country and be in a sporting event, and I've, I've had the opportunity to do that, and it's interesting. You, could, you can't speak the language that they're speaking, but the universal language when you're happy about something is what? You clap. And I think it's interesting that the psalmist, better yet, the Holy Spirit through the psalmist says, hey, you got a lot to celebrate if you're a child of God. And one of the ways that you do that is you clap. One of the ways that you do that is you sing loudly. One of the ways that you do that is you shout. Get this idea, write this down. No one, like underline that, write it all in caps. No one is more deserving of your celebration than Jesus Christ. No one. Not your favorite college football team, not your favorite college basketball team, not your favorite sorority, not your favorite uh, fraternity, whatever it is, not your whatever event it is, and there's, there's nothing wrong with celebrating at those things. But man, when I look at my celebration, no one, I better remind myself of this, and if you don't know this, I want you to understand this this morning from God's word, no one is more deserving of our celebration than our Lord Jesus Christ. No one, nothing is more deserving, more deserving. And what I want you to ask yourself as we now kind of just take apart these verses and see what God's word has to say about the importance of our celebration is I want you to ask yourself this, man, do I celebrate more an event or if you're into sports, the teams that I like? Do I have a tendency to celebrate that more outwardly than what I do in this place? Because remember, you're not doing this for me. You're not doing this for the van. Band. No, no, no. You're doing it because you want your heart to be in tune with who God is. And it's a question I want you to ask. I want, want you to dismiss it flippantly. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to give you three ways that your celebration communicates what you believe. Here's the first one. Number one, it's found in verse 2 and verse 7. We already read the passage of Scripture. Number one, my celebration communicates that I believe that God is in control. Think about it right now. Not in a... Not in a judgmental way, but just evaluating yourself. This is you, between you and God right now, not me. Ask yourself, did the way that I worship the Lord in this first half of the service, would it have communicated to God that I believe that he's in control? That I believe that he's in control. Because what I see in verse 2 and verse 7 is the reminder of, of how God is in control. How the psalmist points to a couple specific things. The first thing that he points to in verse 4 is he calls the Lord the most high. The Lord, you're the most high. God, you're the most high. And I clap my hands to you. I sing loud songs of joy. I shout to you because I understand and I believe in my heart. And I want my, I want my heart to be in tune with the reality that you are in control. Because you're transcendent. You're the most high. A couple of verses that speak of God's transcendence. You can write these references down and look at them later 
1 Kings 8.27 says this about God's transcendence, God's being over all, being the most high. He says, behold, this is Solomon as they're, as they're moving into the temple. It says, behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. Like, like God, I understand you're so big and you're so great. And you're above all this that, that the heavens can't even contain who you are. Look at what he says. How much less this house which I have built. Got to understand that you're the most high. You're transcendent. You're above everything. Isaiah 40.22 says this. It is he who sits above the circles of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who, speaking of God, stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. What is Isaiah doing? He's reminding the people of Israel how big and transcendent God is. Now, it's easy to look at a verse like that and be really kind of disappointed and discouraged because you're like, seriously, God, you call me a grasshopper? Like, I don't really want to be called that, do you? Right? Unless you're like, got a sensei, right? Like, ah, oh, that's grasshopper. Right? But no, not really. Probably not something I want Lori to call me as a grasshopper. But the point of it is, here's why Isaiah is doing this, because he wants to remind God's people how big God is. And often when we think about God's transcendence and that he's above all, we can often look at it and say this, well, if God's that big and God is above all, then God doesn't really care about me. Why do I need to pray? And my thing is insignificant in comparison to how big God is. Like, well, therefore, God doesn't really care about me taking every little thing that I'm struggling or worrying about or working through whatever it is, that I shouldn't take that to God. And that could not be more off. Because the reason why we celebrate God's transcendence, the reason why this quality and characteristic of God reminds me that he's in control is because what it does is it, it, it brings me back to the place, to the reminder or maybe the realization for the first time that God's not shackled or constrained by my circumstances. God's not shackled or constrained by the problems that I'm experiencing right now. God's not sitting up in heaven saying, ooh, I didn't see that coming. Well, that took me really off guard. How am I going to handle that? I better sleep on that and figure out a plan and a strategy. No, no, no. The reason why God's transcendence reminds me he's in control, the reason why the psalmist says, man, let's celebrate God because he's the most high, is because it brings us back to the place that says, God, even though I'm affected right now by these circumstances, even though I can't necessarily play a role in fixing this or that, God, you're not bound by these things. God, I'm going to celebrate you because you're in control. You're transcendent. But then, but then the psalmist also emphasizes God's immutability. See, that's a big theological term that means God never changes. You ever have friends? Doesn't matter what age group you are. Elementary, middle school, high school, college, you know, 70 years old. How often people change. They're fickle, right? One day they like you, the next day they don't. But when I think about the characteristic of God and his immutability, the reality that God never changes. See, it says in verse 7 that, God, you're king of all the earth. Kingdoms rise and they fall. Kingdoms that we read in the Bible, Egypt, which was the most mighty, mightiest empire there ever existed at one time. Really, now when you look at it, not that powerful. 
Babylon, one of the mightiest empires that we read in the Bible. Now all of that territory is divided up into countries and we don't even use the term really Babylon anymore. Greece, one of the, most, one of the mightiest empires at one point. Now we all know how their economy is not the best, right? Rome, great place to visit. Not the first place I'm calling if I'm in a fight, right? Soviet Union in some of our lifetimes, right? The Iron Curtain fell and exists no more. And even the United States of America, and listen to me, I love my country. We need to invest in our country. We need to get involved in our country. We need to look for ways to better our country and call out injustice and all those different things. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I wave the American flag. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the kingdom of God. And the point of this psalm is, is, listen to me, we serve a God who will always be king. Even when it doesn't look like it circumstantially, he will always be king. He never changes. And the comfort that that brings, because every week we walk in here carrying things, carrying worries, carrying disappointments, carrying the weight of a diagnosis, whatever it may be, and we carry those things in here. And one of the greatest ways that we can drop those things is to make a choice that, God, even though I don't feel like it right now, I'm going to make the choice choice to celebrate. Because you've heard me say this before, celebration is a discipline. And it's a discipline of remembrance. And it's me making the choice that even though I don't, my emotions are telling me no, God, my actions and my will is going to say yes, and I am going to celebrate that you are in control. And even though I don't feel like clapping right now, God, I'm going to force myself and clap that you are in control. And what I've found when I've walked in here with different things that I've made mention of in the past, when I walk in here, then when I make that choice to celebrate, something starts to happen in my heart towards God. It begins to get in tune with him. Here's a second thing I want to make mention of about our celebration Number two, my celebration communicates that I believe that God is victorious. See, that's the reason why I can believe today that God is in control, even when I may not be able to see it right now. Visually, circumstantially, factually, God is in control. And my celebration communicates whether or not I believe that my God is victorious. Think about it right now. Continue. Evaluate the way that you worship and say, man, if God was literally standing right next to me and watching me, would he, would he really say, man, you really believe that I'm victorious? I mean, I just don't, I don't believe anywhere in Scripture that if we believe in our heads and in our hearts that that is who our God is, that our emotions won't also respond it says that in verse 3, it says that in verse 8, and it says it in verse 9. And what I find helps, take the statement, God is victorious, from black and white on a page or on a screen. And moves it to living color. 
is when I remind myself of the ways that God is victorious by recollecting the battles that he's won on my behalf. That's found in verse 3. Look at what the psalmist does. He says, he's subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. Like, God, you're victorious. You've won battles for us. Think about it. When's the last time you've reflected on the battles that God has won for you? See, we, all, we can easily go to the ones that he hasn't won yet in our minds circumstantially. But when's the last time you've thought and taken a, some discipline to celebrate? I think we also, what helps us celebrate the reality that Christ is victorious, that God is victorious, the Holy Spirit is victorious, is the circumstances that I recollect, the circumstances that I've been able to see that God is in control. Like when's the last time you've been struggling to celebrate or you've come in here and you're like, man, I'm feeling down that you said, wait a minute, celebration is a choice. It's a discipline. It's more than an emotion. So even though I don't feel like it right now, wait a minute, God, I'm going to remind myself of how you've shown me that I'm an overcomer. I'm going to remind myself of how you showed me that you're my living hope. About this one, I recollect the opportunities I've been able to experience, being able to experience his strength and protection. That's found in verse 9. Do you see that? The princes of the peoples gather as people of the gods of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. He's our shield, He's our protector. You ever find on your phone, my phone's down at my seat, ever find on your phone that you get this message that your phone memory is about full? And you find out that it's because you got like five gazillion pictures on your phone, right? That's happened to me. Or I just got an email. Your iCloud storage is almost full. I'm like, man, I just upgraded that thing. Seriously? And so I started going through pictures because that's where the majority of my storage was. And I started scrolling through pictures. And it was an awesome exercise because as I was scrolling through those pictures, looking at which ones to delete, I kept seeing things. Because I knew what I was preaching on. I kept seeing things that, man, I remember that time when that picture was taken and how it testified to the battle that God won on my behalf. Oh, I came across another picture, another video. Played that video. I was like, man, I remember that. That reminded me of that time where I struggled to believe that God was in control, yet he showed me that he was. Scroll through another picture and see another picture and Oh, God, that reminded me of your strength and your protection. Even when you worked it out differently than the way that I prayed. God, I remember that time. We spent a whole month in Florida in July, and one of the opportunities we had is to go back to Naples. We spent 10 years there. And one of the awesome opportunities I had is, I'm not, I'm not sentimental about a lot of things, but I'm sentimental about the places that we lived. Right, So that's one of the things I'm sentimental about. So I always like when I go back to a place that I live, I like to go see how the house is. Sometimes I have to guard my heart because I want to judge the neighbors, how they kept the lawn versus how I kept the lawn and, and different things like that. But guard my heart against that. But I, I wanted to go where we lived before. And now listen, I told you before, everything in Naples is gated, even the apartment complex. So when you say you live in a gated community here, everybody's like, ho, ho, ho. 
But over there, everything's gated. So we lived in a gated community, and I was trying to get in there, but I couldn't remember the code. I totally forgot the code, and, and so I tailed somebody going into the gate to get in. Did something. I hated it, what everyone else did when I lived in that community because I wanted to see the house that we lived in for a year, and I remember driving by and and then seeing all the progress that was made in the development, it was a new development. And I, well, one of the awesome things is, is I went, we had this one loop, this big circle that led you back to the main road of the community. And I remember driving around that loop and thinking back to the many times Lori and I circled that loop over and over again, praying, God, do you want us to leave Naples and to leave where we've been, and you're calling us to leave and to go to something that we don't know. And it was just cool to ride around that circle and remind myself of the battles that he's won, of the times that during that time he showed me that God was, that he was in control, that he had, he was showing us his strength and his protection. And even though I wasn't in a Sunday service, like the awesome opportunity to just be like, God, I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to clap my hands to you. God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to my heart to be in tune with you so that when I gather into a place with God's people, man, I can't help but praise. Some of us are so reserved. When we were away for four weeks, we went to some churches, and i got to be honest with you, it was a discipline for me just not to start clapping during the songs. And I remember every one of my family knows how I am, and they all looked at me with the stank eye. Don't start clapping your loud clap. Because I was like, am I in a funeral here? Like, what are we here to do? Are we here to be somber and to be defeated and to be discouraged? I don't need to get up early in the morning and give an hour of my time to be reminded of all the things that are going wrong in our world and in my life right now. No, no, no. I need an hour and a half to be with God's people to celebrate who my Savior is and the victory that is His and that He is in control. I need to be reminded of that. And this is not meant to be a funeral. So we play it loud, we clap loud, we want to shout, and we even clap when things are being preached about that we agree about. Some of you have never been a part of a church like that, and, and I'm not here to throw stones at anybody, but this place is going to be a place that no one is going to feel out of bounds by clapping, by shouting, by celebrating their Lord and Savior. It ain't going to be that. That's what God wants. He wants our celebration. And he wants us to show that outwardly. But he wants our hearts to be motivated properly inwardly. Here's the third thing and I'm done. God wants our celebration to communicate that I believe that he loves me. Think about it this morning. The way that you celebrated God this morning or the way that you celebrated God for your whole life when you gather together with God's people in God's presence, does it communicate that you love him? Does it communicate how appreciative you are for the love that he has for you? Because look at what it says in verse 4. The psalmist says, he chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loves, Selah. What the psalmist is making reference to is, God, you gave us a land. 
And you called us to divvy up that land. And that land, that inheritance, that physical inheritance was a sign of how much you loved us. And then you have that phrase after the verses from 1 to all the way to verse 4, Selah. That word literally means stop and meditate and think on it. Let it marinate. Let it marinate in your minds that God is in control. Let it marinate in our minds that we serve a victorious God, which means that anything that I'm walking through, that God is going to have the ultimate victory in that thing. Let me remind myself and let me marinate and sit and contemplate and make the choice to celebrate that he's victorious. And man, let me meditate and celebrate and think about the reality that he loves me unconditionally. That nobody can take that away. There's so many things that I celebrate in my life that could be taken away from me. But the one constant thing that never changes is God's love for me. That he loved me at my worst, but he loved me the best. That's why we celebrate. That's why we sing. If we didn't have that, we have no reason to sing. I want you to stand with me this morning, and we're going to read a passage of Scripture, a prayer of Paul's in the New Testament, one of the pioneers of the church. And in Ephesians 1, his prayer for the church at Ephesus, the church that he's writing to, is that they would grow in their appreciation, in their recognition, in their celebration of the love that God has for them. And that's God's desire for you, and that's God's desire for me, is that I would grow in my capacity to celebrate. I get it, we come from all backgrounds. I shared with you my background. Like there's certain people that have saw what I was doing, what I'm doing now, they would thought I'm two steps away from hell. But I don't know about you, but I'm just about doing what God's word tells us. And one of the things that God emphasizes over and over again is to celebrate him outwardly, loudly, with clapping, loudly. And so would you read with me Ephesians 1 verses 18 through 23? I want this to be our prayer. This is my prayer for you. I want this to be your prayer for me. I want this to be a prayer for this church. Can you read it with me? Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but in the one that is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things in the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all listen to me we have something to celebrate let's clap to him he's victorious He's in control. He loves you. And we have no reason but to clap. We have no reason but to sing. 
we have no reason but to shout. So would you clap with me? Let's sing these songs as celebration to remind ourselves of who our God is. Come on.